definitely human. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. It is the spring of 1929, and below the frozen wilderness of Antarctica, five relentless travelers doggedly make their way along ancient and forgotten tunnels towards what is surely their final destination. Their mission is clear. They must find a way to defeat Angela Gresley and put an end to her evil cult. Should they fail in this endeavor, the world will be forfeit. Despite all of the horrors they have endured over the past decade, our heroes remain cautiously optimistic that in the end, light will somehow triumph over the darkness. But they know nothing of true darkness and cannot begin to comprehend the deep, squirming terror that waits for them in the infinite bad. The Doom of Antarctica, Part Eight. Beneath the icy ruin of Drakelow Hall, there is a tunnel that stretches deep into the earth. The ground is lit with small, flickering candles and blanketed with mounds of bodies. These men have not died of frostbite, like the others in the manor house far above. Rather, they all seem to have committed some sort of ritual suicide. Their throats slit, knives plunged into their sternums. Doctor Dorothy Taylor looks upon the mass grave, her practiced detachment cracking with the memories of the pandemic she witnessed in France, the violent and insidious sickness that swept through the land that she was so powerless to stop. There is a sickness here too, she thinks. It had infected the minds of the Gresleys, of Fairbank, Talbot, and so many others, and now it threatens to engulf them all. She turns to the faces of her friends and wonders where she would be without them, without Cornelia's wisdom, or Joy's intelligence, or Sebastian's bravery. In spite of the appalling horror that has bound them all together, Dorothy is thankful for her companions and feels an overwhelming, almost debilitating anxiety for each of them 
as they stumble ever further into the dark abyss. She stops, closes her eyes, and refocuses, mentally shutting out her bothersome emotions, compartmentalizing her dread. How recently do they look deceased? Uh, make a medicine check. 19. So some seem to be so recent that there is still blood dripping from the knives, while others seem to be so old that they're almost mummified. Wow. These corridors full of, uh, full of death. Yeah. I think let's press on. Yeah. Yes. You've been going now for about half an hour, and it's still sloping downwards, and you're not quite sure how deep beneath the surface of the earth you must be now. But now you're starting to hear something echoing from the hallway further down. Uh, make perception checks, everyone. Three. Fourteen. Six. Eighteen. So Dorothy and Joy, uh, you can make out that there's about, maybe about a dozen people, and they seem to be hustling their way up the tunnel towards you. Oh. Are male voices or female voices? You can hear a few voices and they sound male and they sound clearly agitated. And Dorothy, you can hear that they seem to be saying the name Tom. Is there anywhere to hide in this tunnel? It's quite dark, but it's very narrow and you will definitely run into them. We have the element of surprise. We've heard them before. They know that we're here, so pull our pistols and... Would there be a way to pretend to have committed suicide? (laughs) <laughs> we could lie down along the sides and we could sort of lie, under lie underneath one, maybe. That's a great idea. Oh. Are we really doing this? I'd like to lie down and with my pistol sort of pointed at them. I think I'll sort of do both. Like I'm sort of half covered, but I've got my I've got my pistol ready. Or uh, you have my pistol, so I'll have a rifle, rifle and a knife. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> what if these people are friends? Sebastian I love you (laughs) I think let's assume they're not friends okay (laughs) um alright well let's do what you want to do which is cover ourselves in dead bodies then (laughs) so do you want to pick a fresh one or (laughs) (laughs) yeah relatively fresh not mummified one okay yeah, uh, so each of you is minding your own body, right? Mm, yeah. Okay, so all of you uh, make deception checks. Joy, you can make a stealth check. Eight. Nine. Seven. Ten. Okay. Uh, so you got a seven. Yes. So uh, jean Slim seems to have done very well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he has picked a really dark spot far between two candles. He's daubed some blood over his neck. <laughs> He's really just in his element right now. <laughs> <laughs> Makeup. Yeah. His mouth is slack to just the right degree. I mean, you can't tell the difference, honestly. He's <laughs> got a backstory for you. <laughs> 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 so as the uh, as the party of people comes up the hallway, you can start to make out the things that they're saying more clearly. Uh, the man in the front is saying, Find Tom. The time has almost come. Angela is ready and Tom must bear witness. Uh, they keep bustling up and you can see out of your half-open eyes in the dim murk of the tunnel that they are all bearing weapons, some pistols, some knives, uh, but all seem armed. 
All of them seem very, very preoccupied, though, so they're going to roll at disadvantage to see if they notice you. Okay, uh, Dorothy. One of them, at the end of the party, stops, and the others have gone on without him, uh, but he stops. He seems a little bit younger. Almost, he almost seems like a teenager, a little bit gangly. Uh, and he looks around for a moment and he doesn't quite know what he's looking out for, but something has, has struck him as being amiss. And he's looking around more closely now. If you wanted to ambush him and take a shot now, this would be the time to do it. Is he standing close to any of us? He is standing basically right next to Dorothy. Do you I think you've got, you got a knife yeah. in because, well, here a shot. Knife his ankle. Uh, no, he'll cry out, knife his throat. I think I need to slit his throat. Can I get behind him and without knives and snap his neck or something yeah. <laughs> nestle him to the ground you, you made a neck snapping <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean are you that I thought Dorothy was the only one that was close to him Sebastian would have to make a stealth check and then he and if he succeeds he'd make an attack check at advantage because he'd be ambushing this man Whereas Dorothy is at his feet, she'd only need to make one attack check, but it would be at disadvantage because you'd need to like literally just spring up and try right. to slit his throat and it'd be quite a, okay. an ambitious attack. So okay. I say so Sebastian, yeah. Sebastian. And if that doesn't work, then you spring up. Yeah. And if that yeah. doesn't work, then Cornelia comes in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eleven. Yep, he doesn't realize that you've kind of this huge shadow <laughs> emerges over the back of this teenage man uh, <laughs> go for it sebastian just say <laughs> bad luck <laughs> 14 uh with one quick jerking motion you hear just uh, the final sound this young man makes is just a strangled <clears throat> And then his neck snaps and he falls to the ground like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> okay. I think we all jump to our feet, right? Or yes. I do anyway, yeah. yeah. Start we'll try and find Going Jonceline. in the other direction, yeah. Yeah, how long is that going to take? Well, do you all want to spring up now? Because the, the people running up the tunnel are still only like 20 feet away. Do you want to let them oh, proceed right. for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A little bit, okay. yeah. So you wait for about 20 seconds, half a minute, and they're almost out of earshot, hustling their way up the tunnel. They don't seem to notice that one of their members has fallen behind. Okay. And so now, yes, you can you can get up. What weapon did this guy have on him? He had a knife. You take it, I guess. I'll take my knife if mm. everyone else has knives. Yeah, yeah, you take the knife. Uh, and then we'll Good. put his corpse with the other corpses. Yes. Okay, uh, you forge ahead down the tunnel. After about 10 more minutes of travelling... Uh, you come to an opening. There's a small staircase. And then at the bottom of this staircase, there is almost what looks like a, a wardrobe door. Opening it, you can see that it's ajar. And wait, who's stepping through first? Me. Yeah. Sebastian, uh, you step through first and it reminds you of the site that you saw beneath the tomb of Rensnufis. Beneath you yawns an unimaginably vast and surreal landscape, hewn into the very bones of the earth. It is almost disturbingly identical to what you saw in Egypt years ago. It's a massive hollow as if the earth's core itself has been carved out. Except below you now, you recognise all the strange stalagmites and structures that you saw 
those years ago teeming with pale anthropoids, you see now that they are monoliths. The light that shines down onto them as you look upwards has been created by what looks like the, the ice of the Antarctic shelf itself has fallen away. And you can see that the moonlight is streaming into this just enormous cavern. And through that moonlight, you can see that there are millions of these monoliths, a frighteningly interminable expanse pulsing with horrible, ravenous energy. The ledge that you are on seems to lead to a delicate spindly platform suspended by the merest of arches above this vast chasm. And on the platform, maybe 150 feet away, stands Angela Gresley. Oh. Make wisdom checks, everyone. 10. 7. 4. 18. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, Sebastian, you've seen this before. You only gain 20 dread. Uh, the rest of you gain 50 dread. Uh, so I'm on 95 dread. Yeah, what's everyone else? 80. 100. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, so it's just Angela Mm -hmm. on that platform, alone. Mm -hmm. Alone. Mm -hmm. Anything else with her? You can see on the platform that there seems to be a large, um, altar. And on the altar must be about a hundred chalices, vessels, cups, uh, mugs even, goblets there's just various drinking vessels all arrayed on this altar. I'm going to do an occult check Go for it. the situation 19 So you detect an overpowering scent of the lemon that you smelled upstairs on the surface mm-hmm. and it is the same scent that you get the same note of sweetness and, and uh, a kind of citric note that you got through the tea that has been following you around this whole time across this decade. And you are willing to bet that whatever is in those chalices is very much related to the liquid that has featured in, in right. your adventures up until now. Okay. That this seems to have some sort of crucial ritual importance to whatever all those goblets are. So is every goblet filled with the sea? Uh, you can't see it from this distance, but I'll let you make an anthropology check without advantage from this distance. Fifteen. So, Joy, already from, from about 150 feet away, you can tell that these goblets are from a multitude of different cultures, different historical periods. Some seem neolithic almost just uh, stones with dips in them while others seem more ornate western eastern there seems to be a variety of different cultures represented wow. here okay. um dorothy now i am feeling unwell now <laughs> just so you know i know you've said earlier to say yes. this is one of those times where I, this uh, this feels pretty bad you're doing so well sebastian <laughs> dorothy you're not doing too well yourself at this point you're you're finding yourself shaking a little bit mm-hmm. uncontrollably mm-hmm. Just breathe, Dorothy. Breathe, remember? Control yes. your breathing. Yes. 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 Um, so like... there's, this platform has, what, a ramp that is connected to the door? Yes. So there's, uh, there's kind of a stone staircase, quite primitively hewn, that leads over to this platform. But the platform itself seems suspended just far, far above, maybe a mile above this vast landscape of monoliths below. We've got the dynamite, right? Yeah. Yes, we have yeah, quite we a lot of dynamite. And we have something to light the dynamite with? Yeah, I mean, Sebastian smoked the pipe, didn't he? Yes. But I do, yes. Okay. <laughs> I always knew my father was looking down on me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the plan, we? 
We need to blow up the platform. I really want to face Angela. I think we I must go up happen. there, blow up the platform. Yes, that is my plan. <laughs> <laughs> is it worth me talking to Angela? But we can't kill Angela in the explosion, otherwise she'll just be reborn again somewhere else. Yes. Didn't Tom tell us something like if we fed her to the thing? Is that, is that if we yeah. if we could somehow yeah. stealthily push her into the abyss? Yeah. Would that defeat her? We could trap her here. We could trap her here. We could trap you here. Yes. That's what we should do. I mean, I definitely want to confront her after she like made me drink the stuff and you know tried to turn me into one of those things. Make perception checks, everyone, now at this point. No. Ten. Two. Twelve. So, uh, Sebastian and Dorothy, uh, you have noticed that there is some some pale thing is climbing up an incredibly long stalagmite that seems to reach almost all the way up to this platform. Some One of them, you can see thousands, hundreds of thousands of teeming far below, such that they almost look like an amorphous whitish mass. But one of them has begun crawling up the stalagmite towards Angela Gresley. And you can see that Angela Gresley has picked up one of the chalices and is drinking deeply from it. It seems like Joy is pretty set on confronting Angela. Personally, not a priority for me, but I would go with you. I don't want to let my emotions get the better of me, but I just feel like I can't not confront this woman. What do you guys think? If there's a way of doing it without confronting her, I think that would be safer. I think you should perhaps hold on to some dynamite. I'll go with Joy to protect her. jean Celine can have a dynamite. You can have some dynamite. It'll be a dynamite party. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to see Angela. Okay. (laughs) Okay, then I'll stay back with jean Celine then. All right. Okay, at this point I'm already forcing my way out of the door and walking across the bridge. Be safe, Joy. Okay? Yep. Uh, you do, Dorothy. <laughs> Good luck, <Yes>. everyone. <laughs> so, uh, Joy, Sebastian, and Cornelia are all walking across the bridge. Uh, Dorothy, you stay behind with Jean Selim. I'm so scared for you guys right now. Uh, you watch, Dorothy, as the three of them, this young woman now, this old lady, and this vast gorilla of a man, uh, make their way over this spindly thin bridge that almost seems like a gossamer thread suspended in this vast space of a cavern. You make your way towards the platform unmolested and you can see now that this pale anthropoid creature is staring at Angela with these thick, deeply black eyes. Angela now turns and sees the three of you walking. There's no no place to hide. There's no cover. You're completely out in the open. And she sees you first, Joy, and she says, hello again, my dear. Angela, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So we meet again. Indeed. It warms my heart to see you. You've come just in time. We've come to spoil your plans. Why would you do that? After after everything you've seen, after everything you've felt. It sickens me what I've felt and seen, Angela. We've all worked very hard. We've proven ourselves. We've done all of this. I know, I know that you have suffered greatly, Joy. Every time I am reborn, it is unimaginable pain. And even the merest hint of that, I would not... It pains my heart to know that you went through that, my daughter. Why do you keep 
Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Excuse me? Yes, you are... You are mine. And I am inside of you. Oh, God. We are not related, madam, in any way. You disgust me, and I am here to stop you and your horrifying mission to bring this world to hell. Oh, but there's no way of stopping that. This has been decades in the making. And we've been behind you every step. <laughs> A little bit too far behind, my dear. <laughs> Why would you want to stop the rebirth of the world? Why did you do this? Why did you feed me the tea? Why are you doing this to anybody why would you want this why you say that it's painful like we just i just cannot understand why you would want to bring this upon the world does the world seem like it doesn't need help joy have you not read any of the holy texts throughout history have you not you have i have watched your progress you're a student of anthropology every myth of man ends with a cycle with a rebirth and we have spent decades proving that we are ready, she turns now and sweeps her hand towards this vast expanse of teeming anthropoids and towards this single anthropoid creature, this pale, almost human thing that clings to the stalagmite and watches this scene unfold and says, we have done all of this to prove that we are ready to receive them, to receive them on the surface of the world and let this world finally be reborn. You're ready for that too. No, I'm not ready. What are these creatures? Where have they come from? They've always been here. So why haven't they taken the world for themselves before? I just... I They're waiting understand. for my sign. For and... your sign. You're a bit full of yourself, I think. <laughs> and who are you, Angela? <laughs> yes. I am the final emissary, and she sweeps towards the hundreds of chalices, and now you can see them much more closely. Joy, make a perception check. Fifteen. You can see that etched on many of these chalices, many of them you can't recognise the inscription or the writing on them, but on almost all of them that you can recognise are various uh, instances and variations of the phrase not yet, or it is not time, or no, or something along those lines. Okay. But you notice that the chalice that Angela is holding and that she has been imbibing from deeply does not say that. There is no writing on it yet. And she says, everyone who has been here throughout the span of history has said that it is not yet time, but now it is, Joy. And how do you know that it is time? <laughs> it's a matter of faith in the end, isn't it, my dear? She says, this, this tea, this is my final sacrament that I may speak to, that I may speak to our, our forefathers and our children and all that came before and came after. I want to grab the cup. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, make a dexterity check. Eleven. Yeah, what do you want to do? Do you want to grab it from her? or? Yeah, I want to grab it and just throw it into the abyss. <laughs> okay, um, you step forward and she honestly wasn't expecting that to fall. I wasn't expecting that. You snatch it from her and in one fluid motion you jerk it and throw it over the edge and it... All of you, and you, Dorothy, and Jean Selim, from 150 feet away, watch with your mouths agape as you can see this ornate uh, golden <laughs> goblet just flying forlornly through this vast expanse, and you can't even hear it clatter. It lands so far down below. And I just stare at her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Angela looks at you and, and looks down at where the at where the goblet was thrown and says, You're a stupid child. <laughs> <laughs> you are too late. I have already drunk and I just she turns uh, towards the anthropoid figure and she begins uh, she begins making these guttural sounds from her mouth and they uh, they sound like no human speech even though they're issuing from these strange palpitations that you can see happening on her throat almost as if knuckles are pressing against the corners of her throat and making these strange strangled noises emerge from her vocal cords and the creature replies in kind what would you like to do? They seem to be conversing. So I guess <laughs> I like watch. I'm like, I go to get my knife out and... Oh, okay. I like grab you then. And I guess, Joy, this is not the way. Have, have you got your answers? This is all nonsense to me. <sighs> Clearly, this is just Satanism. And that creature is a devil. And we need to get out of here. Okay. I don't feel like I'll ever have my answers, no matter how much she tells us. How's it going with that? Um, well, Dorothy's no demolition expert, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's all laid. Um, I, Dorothy's really losing it a little bit because the idea that she might have to blow up the doorway with you guys on the other side of it is, I mean, she's losing it a little bit. Okay. So you notice now that Angela seems to be uh, raising her voice towards this anthropoid thing that mm. seems to be gurgling back at her. And she's occasionally looking back at the three of you and gesturing towards the three of you. In, in what seems like a, a, a stressed out tone. You're not really sure, but the converse, does, conversation doesn't seem to be going the way that she expected it to. Mm-hmm. What, in our mm-hmm. favor? Or like she's telling them to... You're not sure. Um, well, Miss Gresley, it's been lovely as always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dorothy, how's it going with that dynamite? It's ready. Shall we... Angela turns around at this point and you can see that she's holding a very slender pistol, a very slender and short pistol in her hands. Uh, her hand is shaking and she points it at you, Sebastian. Uh, Joy, Mrs. Cavendish. Let's run. <laughs> okay. okay, we run for the doorway. Okay, uh, she's going to take a shot. Even if, I mean, you've been shot before, just let's run. <laughs> 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 been shot before. I'm, but I'm hoping that if she's pointing it at me, yeah, she's yeah. not pointing it at you, right? I'm backing away slightly slower, like allowing yeah. those two to run ahead of me, I guess. Uh, yeah, you could just be like... I'll have my hands up. <laughs> yeah, you put your hands up, Sebastian, and the shot rings out and goes straight into your chest. Oh, you, take, you take six points of damage. Okay. That's fine. Okay. That's not great, but that's okay. What is he on right now? I'm on five. Oh. What? Oh. Sebastian blinks and glances down at the smoking bullet hole in his chest. A moment later, his coat is stained and soaked with blood. His hands are still half-raised in a futile gesture of peace, and he turns somewhat awkwardly to face his companions. Dorothy, Cornelia and Joy are looking back at him, bewildered, wondering why he isn't running. It would seem that this is one of those rare occasions when he knows something they do not. He is dying. Sebastian opens his mouth, hoping to offer some words of reassurance or comfort to his friends, but closes it again when he realizes he can't think of anything to say. 
and then he falls to the ground and lies still. Far below, in the vast, moonlit expanse of the chasm, the pale denizens of the deep squirm and pulse and rise. You've been listening to The Doom of Antarctica, written by Giorgio Mariani and produced and edited by David Knight and Tom Dalling, with music by Jonathan Day, starring Eleanor Kohler as Dorothy Taylor, Maximilian John as Cornelia Cavendish, David Knight as Sebastian St. Battenberg, and Charlie May as Joy Dutton Cavendish. I am Giorgio Mariani, Game Master. You can follow us on Twitter at The Infinite Bad and support the production of this series on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash definitely human. The Infinite Bad is a definitely human production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.